Hello everyone, welcome to the Pharmacy Magazine Talking Covid podcast where we look back at developments in pharmacy over the past week or so. This is our 10th edition of the pod, uh, we're in double figures believe it or not and as ever there is a lot to talk about and to tease apart. My name is Richard Thomas, I'm the editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Joining me on the pod this week are Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News and Neil Trainis, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist. That the professor has the week off and was last seen braving the queues at his local waste recycling centre. So, hello, both um, Neil. How are you? How are you getting on? Good week off. How's the novel coming along? I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not too bad, Richard. Thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's hard work. This writing lark, isn't it? I didn't realise <laughs> you've actually got to put a bit of work into this. <laughs> what it's coming it? along slowly? I Is think. it? But, yeah. Um, are you up to chapter three yet? Um, I'm on. I'm on chapter. Well, I've done. Hmm, Got about forty pages. Oh, good now. Um, it's which coming bad, on, then. It, no, it's it's coming on. The plot is developing, but it's it's like water torture, really. I, I just... What? I can't wait to read it. Um, Arthur, you've been manfully holding the fort while our colleagues have been writing books or or, or mi- missing tight three footers on the golf course. So, uh, what's your week been like, Art? Well, no novel to speak of, but uh, <laughs> soldiering on, Richard. Soldiering on. Okay, so. Coming up is Good Week, Bad Week, and later in our interview slot, uh, we get a really interesting local perspective on the COVID crisis from James Wood, who's Chief Executive Officer of Community Pharmacy Surrey and Sussex. But first, well, it's been another busy week. We've had the rollout of Test and Trace in England, and yesterday we learnt from the Department of Health and Social Care that the self-isolation guidelines do not apply to pharmacy teams if they were wearing PPE at the point of coming into contact with someone with coronavirus. Um, Well, this is what the DH told us anyway. We haven't seen any official guidance yet, and the messaging is, is, is a bit confused. And it is a confusing area, isn't it, with potentially huge implications for pharmacy teams, and it brings the whole PPE issue to the top of the agenda once again. And uh, perhaps we'll be talking about this later. And also yesterday, uh, you both reported on a, a PSNC press briefing hosted by Simon Dukes. And I thought his recent uh, Reset and Reform blog from the PSNC website was very interesting. He called for the £350 million advance to be written off. He confirmed that a COVID funding bid is still with the Treasury. And he said that the right review on contractor representation support would make uncomfortable reading for PSNC and LPCs. Did he expand on any of these things at the briefing yesterday, uh, Arthur? It was a little bit like, you know, you get a holding email where someone sort of says there's nothing to really update you on, but, but here's the situation. Um, there wasn't really a, like all the questions that the journalists had were about sort of funding and when services are going to come back online. And there just isn't anything to, to say yet on PSNC's side. It's sort of still under negotiations. I mean, it was, it was useful to, to hear from them and get a little bit of insight into into how the talks are going, but um, no big news for our readers as of yet. Okay, so keeping a watching brief on that. So, Neil, what was your take on proceedings? Well, I, I was quite disappointed, um, to be honest, Richard. I mean, I, I went in there, as, as we all did, kind of looking for answers and um, a lot of uh, big issues at the moment, and we didn't really get many clear answers from, from Simon Jukes. Uh, maybe that's not a, a, a fair criticism because 
they're in the situation they're in the PSNC maybe they can only do what they can do at the moment mm. um, he didn't he said that they were pressing for for the, for the loans to be written off um, but there's no when when is that going to happen there's no it seems to be a, how, how, how long is a piece of string uh, he talked about that Professor Wright's review of course coming up um, and uh, which was quite what was quite interesting about that was, was Simon Duke said that he he almost he almost sounded pessimistic, um, almost as if they're expecting negative findings from it. And yeah. um, but he didn't really he, he didn't really sort of explain why that was. I mean, did he think does he think the PSNC and LPCs have done a bad job? Um, it just seemed to me to be quite not an odd thing to say, but just a, quite it took me by surprise a little bit. Um, but no no further explanation on that. Um, he was talking about getting additional funding, so not only writing off the loans, but you know, getting uh, more money in. Um, but again, that was rather vague. It didn't really sort of explain uh, when, possibly when that may happen or, or how, that, how they're going to go about doing that. Um, and, and, and the other thing which, which disappointed, I think, all of us was the, the, the COVID testing. Um, you know, pharmacies, the antibody testing that's being rolled out, pharmacies are at the heart, can be at the heart of this, potentially. They, they, they should be at the heart of this. And, you know, but of course, they need resources and funding to do it. Um, again, you know, the PSNC, Simon didn't seem to have any answers on, 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 on how that's going mm. to sort of uh, be moved forward. What he did say was, we will not ignore it. And those were the words he used, we will not ignore this. Well, that's fine, but let's have a bit more information, please. Um, so I, I came out of it a bit disappointed. As Arthur's um, uh, has been focusing on as well with the wholesalers' issues. Um, again, you know, the, the great work that the PSNC are doing in launching this this survey and asking contractors to tell them their experiences of wholesaler quotas because medicines, you know, unavailability of medicines is a, is a big issue, particularly now with this, this, this crisis. And, and it didn't seem to be, you know, many answers as to, you know, the end game. What's the end game with this, with this survey, the PSNC? We all understand that it's a bit early days for this, that there isn't any data at the moment. We understand that. That's fine. But you know what do they what are they going to do when they get this information what's the what's the end product going to be and he didn't really seem to have any answers to that and that was that for me that was really disappointing so i came out of it with more questions than answers yeah i was yeah also a bit <laughs> underwhelmed i'd say in their defense it was probably an attempt at transparency more than anything else even if there's not much to um to say yeah. but it, i mean it, yeah it was frustrating that you know, I, I don't think any of the, the questions that meant, the journalist answers were met with, you know, an announcement or a, a, a new answer yeah. that we didn't already know about. Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds to me, I wasn't, I, I wasn't uh, at the briefing or I didn't zoom in, but it sounds to me like a lot of that is, is, is work in progress and it's a bit of like a, a progress report, really, of, of where PSNC is. Obviously, things like funding, you know, well, a funding bid, is at the treasury, so you know that's the treasury is is, is musing over that, um, and you know that that's just working working through the system. I think the it's comments on the right review, Neil. Uh, that that was interesting. Like I, I said in my little intro, um, you know, hinting not hinting, saying that uh, Simon saying that this would be uncomfortable reading for for PSNC and LPC. So we are wondering what 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 the right review is going to turn up. I think due to be published later on. This month, so uh, we'll be keeping very close tabs on that. So let's do good week, bad week next. Arthur, who's had a bad week for you? Uh, well, it seems to have been a bad week for drug wholesalers. Um, Neil was mentioned earlier that PSNC is collecting evidence from contractors of um, 
uh, the impact quotas are having on them. You know, I've seen reports on social media of, uh, say, someone would typically need 60 of Inhaler X over a month, and now people are being told they, they're going to get half of that or, or even less, and uh, that's obviously going to have a big impact on patients. Um, and I think, like anything to do with wholesalers, it's a you know or the supply chain you never quite know what the the issue is or or it's a little bit murky it's a little bit hard to get at the exact cause um i did i spoke to martin sore from the hda this week and it was a little bit um disappointing i think the hda whenever their members are criticized it's the, the deflection they tend to go to is well you know um small uh like a, a small pharmacy with a wholesale license is exporting to, to other countries and that has a big impact on the supply chain but it's starting to feel a little bit wizard of oz because i'm not sure they've ever sort of presented any evidence on the impact it has on the supply chain and it's starting to wear wear a little bit thin hopefully this psnc report is going to come up with the goods um i think their, their hope is that they're going to make a case to government and who will then in turn put pressure on the hda and the wholesalers um you know, whether or not that happens, it'd be good just to see some, some hard data on this. Yeah, well, it's so hard to drill down, isn't it, to, to the reasons for, for um, quotas. And there'd, there'd probably be many reasons, complex and all interlinked. But, you know, the bottom line is that, that pharmacists are having enormous difficulty with quotas on the ground. Uh, have done for a while and it's just got a lot worse during the COVID crisis. So, yeah, you need to collect the data, but we need to do do something with that data. I think the whole supply chain um, needs um, a kind of root and branch reform, really. It's easy for me to say, but it, it seems a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, Neil, who's had a, a bad week for you? Well, I'm, I'm going to... I can't really avoid this this, this chat, but I, he always seems to pop up and I'm, <laughs> it sounds really obvious, but it has to be Matt Hancock again. I mean, I, I, I just think that the, the guy is, is, is just lumbers from one calamity to, to another and, and, and it just seems totally and utterly out of his depth um, you know where do you start I mean the, the figures that uh, uh, that he, he gives on on, 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 Downing, on the Downing Street briefings they're all well, as we've been told I mean they're not even accurate figures I mean they're just there to sort of artificially inflate the government's um, you know uh, uh, ability in dealing with this you know um, you know they're coming up with things like you know we've now, we've now hit our 200,000 a day testing capacity well uh, what the hell does that mean I mean you know in reality it means absolutely nothing does it um, you know they, they, they continuously um, fail to tell us how many people they've tested how many people have actually been tested? That would be quite nice to know. Um, and they, they clearly, it clearly seems to be some kind of cover-up. It's just, a, to me, I, I, I watch him in the Downing Street briefings and I just think, you know, why are you there? I mean, why are you in your position? I mean, you, 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 you need to be put out of your misery. He's like a, he's like a, he's like a, a, a oh, dog with a, with a, with a, with a, a f- two legs missing or something and whatever, and a, a, a fatally injured dog. And he just wanted, you know, you know, humanely put him out of his misery. I just, I just don't, I just think he's, he's an absolute calam- calamity, a calamity. Um, and I think it was encapsulated even further this week by the NPA video that was released, in which he appeared in that video at the start, if you, re- if you remember, and he says lots of nice things about pharmacy, but he, he mentions, he mentions pharmacists. So the only, you know, it's, it's all about pharmacists in his eyes. You know, we value you pharmacists. Pharmacists, you are the heart of the NHS. But 
it's more than just pharma. Pharmacy is more than just pharmacists. It's, it's the team. It's the pharmacy. And he hasn't seen. He doesn't seem to have grasped that concept at all. It's just. A, it just seemed to me to be another kind of illustration of just how 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 much he lacks. You know, knowledge of, of the pharmacy profession. You know, community pharmacy is more than just about the pharmacist. It's it's, it's the whole team. So for me, it has to be Mr. Hancock. Anything positive to say about him, Neil? I mean, do you like his tie? That nice pink tie? Well, I, 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 no. <laughs> I can't think of one thing, to be honest. I, I think he needs to go. I think I, I, I would happily see the, see the back of him. I think he's, he's a complete and utter calamity. But then, but then in kind of in his defence, he's not the only one, is he? I mean, the, the, the entire the government... The way they've handled the, the pandemic, right from the start, you could go all the way back to, 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 to March, early March, when this thing really did start. You know, PPE, you know, medicines, um, availability. Um, right from the start, every single issue you can imagine, they've, they've, they've basically ballsed up, haven't they? Um, and he's the man, well, he's the man, he's, people will say, well, you know, why pick on Hancock? Well, he's the, he's the health secretary, he's the man who heads up the Department of Health. The buck stops with him, he's useless. He's utterly useless. <laughs> So, Neil, in, in an alternative universe, and, and you were Secretary of State for, for Health and Social Care, what would you be doing? <laughs> what would you do, well, though? I would, I would have, one, one word springs to mind, Richard, and it, it, it's, it's not a new concept. It's called planning. It's in planning, planning for this. And we, 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 knew about this, we knew about this pandemic, you know, we had information and intelligence, if you read the reports, you know, way before, before this really hit. The UK, you know, we saw what was happening in China, um, um, and and it just seems to me that, that they, the, the government, led by on the health side, led by Hancock, just didn't bother to plan. They just they probably thought, well, it's it's not going to be that bad, or it probably won't hit us, or we'll probably be able to contain it fairly easily. When it, you know, it's just been a reactive kind of scramble. The government had been scrambling about reacting to it rather than you know Germany and South Korea. Well, they didn't have any problems getting a grip on it, and, and you know. If they could do it, why, why, can't, why, why should we have been able to do it? So, unfortunately, Mr Hancock, um, he's even surpassed Dominic Cummings, I think, this, uh, uh, in the last uh, ten days or so. I think. And that is saying something, isn't it, I think, to be honest? That is harsh. I mean, uh, but, you know, I, I, I take what you're saying about planning. It, it did catch out all Western governments, I suppose. I mean, not defending our approach, but we hadn't had the experience of some of those those countries in the Far East of, of SARS and MERS, I suppose, and they learned a lot from that. But you're right about planning. I mean, I think Jeremy Hunt has got to take uh, you know, his share of the blame for this. I mean, there was planning done, wasn't there, um, three years ago or so, but it was, it was based on a, on a flu type of pandemic, not like we've, we've had with coronavirus. But yet, um, it does seem that the government um, and Calamity Hancock has been on the back foot I'll just add one more. I'll just add one more thing, though, if I if I may, just briefly. Yeah, you know, I think you know one of the things that came out about I think it was about a month ago from New York with Andrew Cuomo was that suddenly you know independent pharmacies, well, hey, you know they can play a really important part in this pandemic, and he cottoned onto that maybe fairly late as well, but he he did cotton onto it and he got them involved, and I just don't see how the Department of Health have, have even remotely um, got the uh, pharmacies. You know, who are on the front line? They they they've just failed to, to to see to see how pharmacy can play. Look at the antibody testing, for example. I mean, who better to to, to actually test communities? You know, these hard to reach pe- um, uh, people than, than than your independent or your your community pharmacy. I mean, you know, but have the government 
put in, measure, in place measures to get pharmacies to, to, to roll it, fund pharmacies to do this, give them the resources to do this? Absolutely not. It just, it just sums it up for me. Yeah, I mean, there's two aspects here, I suppose. There's the, uh, the aspect, of, aspect of is has pharmacy been treated fairly throughout this crisis? And, and clearly it hasn't when it comes to, to all sorts of things, funding, you know, death in service, key worker status recognition. But you're right, Neil, it's, it's about a, an opportunity as well. There's an opportunity there to use the network. Are they planning to use the network, you know, uh, as much as they could, as well as they could? And, and possibly, you know, the potential there has been missed. And yet, you're right, he stands at the top of the chain, Mr Hancock. Do you know, I agree though. I, I think what he has is that he throws himself behind the leadership. Like, he was a Theresa May loyalist and now he's a Boris loyalist and he's useful in that sense. But he's not the most impressive politician you've ever seen, is he? Um, so for me, um, well, it's a bad week for GPs. Now, here's an interesting historical fact for you, and I've got to thank the, the former editor of the, the pharmaceutical journal, Douglas Simpson, for this little nugget. But during the Great Plague of 1665, it was the apothecaries uh, who stayed in London while the physicians uh, got the hell out. Now, does that sound familiar? Uh, I came across some really interesting articles in the medical press this week, and essentially they're beginning to ask, could GPs have done more to help during the pandemic. Now, it would be very easy, if uh, rather tribal and unfair, to attack the GP service for apparently melting away during the crisis, nice and snug in their consulting rooms, doing their video consultations. Um, I'm not going to do that. I felt they had to do this to continue to operate safely. But nevertheless, it, it's a fact, though, isn't it, that pharmacy teams didn't have this option and this left them vulnerable. And, and GPs retreating behind closed doors had a massive knock-on effect on pharmacy workload as patients had nowhere else to go often. And you talk to GPs privately and off the record, very off the record, and they'll admit, some of them anyway, that they've had a relatively easy time of it. It's very nine till five at the moment. Very easy time, well, especially compared to pharmacy. So you throw in some negative headlines about not visiting care home residents and DNR notices for people receiving care in, in community settings. I think it's been a bad week and perhaps a bad crisis for GPs. But I wonder if there's a real opportunity here to use this disruption for, as a positive force for change for both pharmacy and the GP service and maybe to plan for them to work more closely together. And maybe it's time even for PSNC and the BMA to grab the bull by the horns, to look for some common ground and whisper it, perhaps start to join up the two contracts. Too radical? Well, these aren't normal times, but let's at least have the discussion. So earlier this week, I caught up with James Wood, Chief Officer of Community Pharmacy, Surrey and Sussex. LPCs up and down the country have been doing some tremendous, often unheralded work during the COVID crisis, supporting their contractors, whether it's been coordinating deliveries, protecting local service income and much more besides. So this is what James had to say about what's been going on in Surrey and Sussex. So thanks for coming on the, the pod, James. What's it been like for the LPC over the past few months? Well, hi, Richard. Uh, delighted to join you and be great, be on, great to be on the Corona cast. So, um, well, 
what a, just an incredible, incredible time it's it's been. And I guess very much like, um, you know, the community pharmacies that we support um, locally, they saw a huge surge in demand and just being incredibly busy. So, so did the LPC in terms of demand for... Uh, what was required from us, from uh, local pharmacy contractors and their teams, but also from you know the NHS and and local government in terms of uh, what what they needed from us and and the support that that they required. So, um, you know, we had to really change the way uh, we worked and stand down our normal kind of you know business as usual plans and and really move into a full coronavirus mode of operating really uh, uh, from from uh, mid-March right up until now. Yeah that that certainly has resonance with us as well in the press I think everybody pivoted to to coronavirus because of the the scale of the crisis really Uh, but what about from a a personal perspective what what have your experiences been of the, the Covid crisis? Well, from from a personal perspective, you know, I suppose I've been, um, I call it the, the Corona coaster. Uh, you know, I think we've all struggled at times, haven't we? And, and uh, I, I guess, have had the advantage of, of being at home and uh, trapped in this virtual world, I guess, um, for, for many weeks. Uh, but occasionally that novelty does, does wear off, you know, and the, the psychological stresses of it all kind of cut through a bit, don't they? Um but, you know, I guess from a personal perspective, it's been just incredibly interesting um, and really extraordinary period, um, challenging in terms of the work, but but enjoyable, you know. And I think that initial phase, I guess the acute phase was was uh, quite energising in some respects. And, and um, you know, I guess some of your listeners will have found like that as well, working on the front line and the adrenaline rush and all, all that kind of thing. But I guess over time... Um, that starts to wane a bit, doesn't it? And the and and this more chronic phase, I guess, is is harder to sustain. And and um, that that's certainly from a personal perspective, um, you know, and 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 just kind of managing the workload and and the way of working, that new kind of way of the new normal. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I think we're all beginning to feel it a little bit. Um, I'm I'm missing a bit of people contact as well actually I, I know I am um, and you've had some difficult issues to deal with as well haven't you and um, very sadly J.H. Patel a, a local pharmacist on your patch uh, died from COVID-19 and you you provided some support and comfort to the family didn't you and local contractors did as well. Yes yeah, so you know a number of the pharmacy organisation things have really stepped up here but um, you know I think this really demonstrates, sadly, the human cost of it all and the sacrifices and the risks that um, community fa- pharmacy staff on the front line uh, have been placed in. So, you know, very sadly, um, Jayesh Patel, who's a, a locum pharmacist um, for a number of uh, pharmacy owners in Surrey, um, succumbed. So, you know, I want to pay tribute to him on here uh, and his devotion to his community. That That, that certainly really came through. Um, so that was very difficult, uh, something I never thought I'd do in, in my career, but we just tried to play a small role in terms of reaching out to those contractors he worked for and made sure they were supported and, and also to his family and, and to, to local civic leaders to let them know and make sure that, they, that he's been recognised and, and uh, will be recognised and that the family is supported. But it's a real stark reminder, I think, of you know the risks that that uh, pharmacy teams and, and other frontline, you know, key workers have, have faced. 
And of course, contractors' financial situation is very challenging at the moment. Um, has the LPC done anything to support um, income streams for contractors? Yeah, good question, Richard. And, and clearly, pharmacies have been, you know, under pressure from a workload perspective, but also financially, and, and, and uh, clearly were before all this started and have now had lots of additional um, costs. So I think in a small way, from our perspective, uh, at local level, we've been working with local commissioners um, to make sure that you know income streams from locally commissioned services are protected. So many of those local services have not been able to be provided through no fault of the pharmacy, but you know through social distancing policies or uh, advice from the NHS that you know things like health checks and things are stood down. So um, we managed to to like other LPCs to make sure that um, income from those uh, services are protected in certain this quarter, maybe next if 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 we need to. So we know it's you know it, it's uh, it's small income in comparison to some of the national things. So across Surrey and Sussex for the period, it's probably just over half a million, but we know that every penny clearly counts at this critical you know, financial time for contractors. So we're pleased with that. And it's also, I think, testament really to the way in which, um, the way in which pharmacies are held by their regard by you know local government and local NHS who, who commission their services at, at that local level. Certainly, certainly was a very difficult for time for the family and, and, and for everyone really. And yes, I, I pass on our sympathies to, to the family and friends of Jayesh as well, of course. Um, the sector has been extremely resilient during the crisis under the most tremendous pressure um, in, in providing care for, for their patients. You, you must have seen some great examples of innovative practice on your patch. Yeah, and, and Richard, hasn't it? It's just been absolutely, um, you know, incredible. And being at that kind of local level, um, you know, we've seen some of the amazing work that, that pharmacy contractors and their teams have done and continue to do whilst they've kept the doors open you know, under very difficult circumstances um, and being there for, you know, essential supply of medicines, things that have now become, I think, things that may have been taken for granted in the past that have now become really uh, valued again. So, you know, having access, local access to the essential supply of medicines, being able to walk in and still see someone for reassurance. You know, we know locally, you know, loads of people have been displaced from uh, being able to access general practice in perhaps the traditional way, displaced from outpatient appointments and just some of that, you know, so I think pharmacies have faced a lot of that informal support, reassurance, advice, minor illness, as well as, you know, that kind of critical job. But I guess in terms of, um, you know, notable practice and, and some of the some of the things that we've seen, well, there's just been, um, you know, so many things. And I guess one of the things that this for me, has as, as really brought about the last couple of weeks is there's been just huge attention on pharmacy, which has been a great thing in some respects um, locally from, you know, huge interest, whether it be elect, local elected members, volunteers, the community in the widest sense. So I think a, a new relationship emerging between pharmacies and, and their communities in terms of how they work and, and how and, and, and how pharmacies are seen. But um, just to give you a couple of examples, you know, I, I call it kind of like, two years worth of transformation in two months in some respects, because there's been things we've been talking to local commissioners about and haven't, you know, have been moving on, but sometimes things move frustratingly slow. We've managed to make progress with, so 
just a small but very important service around kind of access to palliative care medicines on demand. We've got now universal coverage of a locally commissioned service across Surrey and Sussex where we haven't before and you know we were making progress but suddenly these things happen at, at great speed because there's a common purpose so that's been good. Also to work with other colleagues so um, working with the dentists because they don't have uh, access to the electronic prescription service we've had to put some uh, short-term digital solutions in to help them and to help pharmacies undertake their urgent uh, uh, emergency supply function at the request of a prescriber um, but that started off a, a new relationship actually and I think a new integration that we clearly need to sort longer term but there's we're working with um, Health Education England for example to get some foundation dentists into pharmacies where pharmacies want to take advantage of that opportunity for them to help the pharmacies but also to to be able to to provide a kind of service from there in, in, in where it's safe to do so so there's been you know i mean there's just that scratches the surface and i know the pharmacy bodies nationally have set up this kind of hub uh nhsfrontline.com just giving that a plug for you know all those amazing stories and pharmacies everywhere and every pharmacy team must have some you know, have a story to tell about the things that they've done that's incredible and extraordinary that to them probably doesn't seem perhaps doesn't seem so they just kind of do it in the course of their work um but you know great it will be great to see some of the stuff coming out of there that we can share it's so important to, to share the, those stories and begin to collect our evidence, isn't it? And it's very encouraging to, to hear from you that the, the pace of innovation uh, with you and, and nationally has, has been accelerated during the crisis. And it's, it's good to see that new relationships and new partnerships are, are happening on your patch. We're talking the, the day after the announcement of, of the test and trace um, scheme. So um, a, a lot could still happen uh, before this is broadcast because the picture is still confusing at the moment. But what's your take on it as things stand? Well, a good question, Richard, and, uh, you know, tricky one. Um, so clearly that, you know, things like we've seen um, throughout this this period, um, things have to move at great speed from, you know, central government. And um, sometimes I think it means that some of the detail and and the devil is in the detail isn't it often that hasn't been fully worked through or flowed through and I think this is a good example where it could have a big impact on uh, community pharmacy teams uh, and community pharmacies being so small and and, and, uh, you know the impact that that might have and how that risk is then managed um, if if someone is tested and traced and they're they're a member of pharmacy staff so no doubt there will be further guidance uh, forthcoming um, and and uh, and we'll just have to kind of work that through and and support pharmacies the best we can. But I think it's a good example of where, um, you know, drawing back to some of the local examples from an LPC where we've been involved, where, you know, just joining some of the things up. And uh, for example, we we worked with um, members of the armed forces and local health systems to help get local um, pharmacies involved in local testing for their for members of staff to get people back to work quicker and. You know, that was a really interesting one to work on and, and it just ensured that ahead of the national testing programme, a couple of weeks ahead, we kind of worked with local NHS to get that up and running. And in fact, that's still up and running because the local sites are much more convenient to, um, you know, where people work. So there's a lot of this hidden stuff that goes on in, in um, LPCs and, you know, it's often hard to describe. But, you know, if we weren't there, that, those are the kind of things that, that kind of might not happen. And whilst we have a national health service... 
a lot of it's organised locally and implemented locally. And, you know, community pharmacy needs a, a good structure at that level to, to kind of make things happen and, um, you know, for contractors to be able to, to take advantage of things that happen locally. Yeah, so maybe picking up on that theme of, of lessons learned for the future, um, what, what do you think the sector should take out of this? And not only in Surrey and Sussex in your patch, but but the community pharmacy sector nationally, what would you like to see going forward? Well, you know, I, I guess it's in some respects it's hard thinking about the future right now because it feels like there's still a long way to go, doesn't it, before um, aspects of our, you know, I don't know, the pre-COVID, our pre-COVID world, both in our personal lives and at work, um, continues. And, you know, whether some will ever return to normal, I don't know. But I guess, you know, I, I, I hope that from some of this there's, there's been... Um, I think in some respects, a clarity of purpose about community pharmacy. So we were starting to get that, weren't we, with the uh, the uh, contractual framework developments and a bit of a, you know, forward vision for the first time in many years. Um, but there seems to be this real clarity around, you know, urgent and immediate care, that kind of walk-in environment. And that feels like it's become really crystallised, um, especially when I think, you know, general practice has really changed and reformed in this period and I think maybe changed forever in some respects. And and I think there's an opportunity for us there because we will be a a walk in place in, you know, primary care network level and other things for us to really build on. So, you know, we were talking weren't we about before all this kind of stopped about um um my article in Pharmacy Magazine about uh, primary care networks and stuff. So at some point it'd be great to revisit that locally and nationally and how we build on that how we build on minor illness referral and not beyond that, kind of just funding that work more properly um, to make sure, you know, pharmacies are supported to provide that service, to record what they do around that, to report it, to demonstrate outcomes around that really important, you know, area. So I think there's that, but there's, you know, there's lots of other things about locally, we're working on things like local healthcare records, digital things, enablers. So, Lots of that kind of development work, I think it would be really important to revisit. And perhaps, you know, off with some of the things that we were doing before stopped. So is this a good opportunity? I'm sure it is to think about, well, there are some things we want to continue with and some things that is this a good time we never want to return back to them. And clearly, you know, we're going to have to work with our national and local commissioners on that. And I know the RPS has started a kind of professional wide conversation, but I'm sure your listeners have got, and readers have got some great ideas and I think we need to really build on those um, to think about, you know, what really do we want kind of moving forward. I think there's also then, you know, just thinking about LPCs and leadership of, of the sector. For me, I guess an important part of looking forward now is also looking at ourselves and how we've worked during this COVID period. Um so, for example, the LPC network and the, the national pharmacy bodies and what's been achieved to kind of reflect on that. I guess we're not we're not there yet to perhaps fully reflect on it, but to think about how that will inform us moving forward. And from a personal perspective, I've never really seen, I don't think, for a long time, the pharmacy bodies nationally and locally work together in the way that I think they are doing now. And certainly in terms of the LPC network, I've never seen, you know, us work together more closely and more coordinated in, in a coordinated way so that's great to see and you know that kind of true network values of um, sharing and 
and resources because we're all I guess you know that old phrase about all in it together but we are aren't we supporting contractors in and and I think that's brought about this kind of sense of common purpose so I think it would be great to carry on that we've clearly got the the right review coming up in terms of representation and support offered by PSNC and LPCs so in some ways that's a really you know it was paused um by you know in a few weeks time it will it will be out and uh, it, it's probably a good a time as any really to for that to land and think about how things what how things need to work um, moving forward and hold that mirror up to us and think about what we need to do and change to change moving forward so yeah very interesting time to look at the future i think james that's a lot of very positive stuff in there and it, it, it's it's good to hear and i think it is very significant now that the next few months as the sector nationally and locally begins to, to look ahead. As you say, we're not out of the COVID woods yet, but you know, this could be uh, an important opportunity opportunity to really drive things forward. Uh, and that's probably a, a good point to, to wrap up the interview. That interview in Pharmacy Magazine seems so long ago now, James. Do you realise it was only March? It's like a, it's like a lifetime away now, Richard. It's a different world. Um, but thank you so much. I know you, you've got a lot on your plate at the moment, but thanks uh, very much. It was good to talk to you, James. And, and when all this is over, we'll, we'll meet up for a beer. But thanks for joining us on the pod. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. The pod. Thanks. Thanks, Richard. Bye. So that was James Wood there. I really enjoyed that interview and we'll forgive James for going off brand by saying Corona cast. I mean, what's that? Uh, seriously, it was an interesting and fascinating insight to hear about, about uh, LPCs and how they've been supporting local contractors during the COVID crisis. A little bit under the radar to us, to be honest, who spent a lot of time reporting on national issues, but so important locally. And it was interesting as well to hear about James's personal experiences of leading his LPCs during this challenging time. And also, very strong points he made, I thought, on where pharmacy goes from here. And it's good to get the perspective of local contractors on this, especially with the right review due to be published later this month, as we mentioned. So thanks again to James there. So let's do Good Week. I'll kick off with this and I'm going to go non-Covid for this and say it's been a good week for local pharmacy service development. Uh, We reported on a couple of stories this week. Uh, Neil reported on uh, a group of pharmacist independent prescribers in Kent who've launched a a virtual smoking cessation uh, service for customers. Uh, In Somerset, we've seen a a very successful launch of a a take-home naloxone pilot. And there are a few of these now operating around the country, and they they seem to be running really well so far. And also a good week for contractors in Scotland, with news that the NHS Pharmacy First scheme is due to start in July. And that's really good news. Uh, Rob and I attended... Uh, the launch of the service uh, or when it was scheduled to launch anyway in Edinburgh it seems many years ago now it was only in March but it's a very exciting development uh, for contractors in Scotland so a good week for progressive pharmacy services and maybe even an exciting glimpse of the future. Uh, Neil who's had a, a good week for you? Yeah well you, uh, you just mentioned it there Richard yeah th- for me it's it's Kent LPC, um, Sunil Kochar and uh, Shilpa Shah uh, they've done a brilliant job with this service, launching this service, this uh, remote digital consultation service that's designed to help people um, give up smoking without obviously coming into the pharmacy. And I think given what's going on at the moment, a lot of people are, are extremely nervous, particularly vulnerable people 
Uh, I think pregnant women um, were, were mentioned. Pregnant women who smoke, but you know they, they're trying to give up, and, and and they're very they're terrified of coming into the pharmacy for fear of you know contracting the virus. So I think this service is a, an, an immensely important service, and it's a, a fantastic illustration of how 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 valuable independent prescribers are. I mean, uh, I know. Yeah, we, you know, we, I, we all know that independent prescribers probably don't get or haven't been given the, the, the publicity that they deserve, in, even in the pharmacy press. I think they are an immensely important, um, you know, part of the pharmacy workforce, with potential to do amazing things in, the, in, in healthcare. And, um, and they, they, they recruited eight independent prescribers to this scheme. Um, and uh, it's proven so far to, to, I think it's just started, but I think it's, it's, it's an excellent service. Uh, for me, um, Sunil and Shilper and everybody at Kent LPC, um, brilliant job for me. They're my, they're my good week, yeah. Yeah, good choice. So interesting, and you're right about independent prescribing. Very good point, Neil. I mean, it's uh, such a central part to, to pharmacy, certainly in Scotland and Wales, Independent prescribing in, in, in England, less less certain, I think. There's less of a kind of path forward on that, which is which is a shame. There's so much potential there, I think, to, to use pharmacists as, as prescribers. And yeah, some great stuff down in Kent. Arthur, who's had a good week for you? Uh, well, potentially a good week for Amazon, who have got to the next stage in their uh, application to get Amazon Pharmacy trademarked in the UK. I mean, it's one to watch. Um we don't exactly know what their plans are. Uh, it's hard to know how interested they are in having the NHS as their main customer and all the kind of red tape that entails. But certainly just the name Amazon Pharmacy is very sort of effective at spooking people. I think, yeah. I think their plans are world domination. World domination, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that Amazon story certainly got a, a lot of hits on, on the website and the newsletters yesterday, didn't it? That's, uh, that is definitely one to watch, Arthur, you're right. So thanks, chap. So that's just about it for this week. But any other business, anyone seen anything that's um, made them smile that's non-pharmacy related this week? Arthur, seen anything? Uh, well, I saw, um, I mean, this is the Zoom age now. We're currently on a, on a Zoom call on our last 15 minutes or whatever and i did see there is an irish mep luke mean flanagan he's sort of an eccentric guy anyway uh but there is he was on some uh, on a zoom call to brussels and he was sitting on his bed and he was he had no trousers on it was quite uh quite peculiar um so yeah i guess just a word of caution to people <laughs> to, to anyone using using zoom you might be exposing more than you realize uh yeah yeah word of word of caution are we fully trousered up boys yes the thumbs up thanks chaps that's just about it for this week before we go though it's national volunteers week so a big shout out and thank you to the thousands of volunteers who've given up their time to make sure that some of pharmacy's most vulnerable patients continue to receive their medicines throughout the coronavirus crisis Pharmacy contractors have worked very closely with the voluntary and community sector, NHS, community responders, local council, community response hubs, countless more agencies. It's been a great collaborative effort. A quick reminder before we go that the pod is available on the Pharmacy Magazine website and all the usual download sites, Spotify, iTunes, etc. Just search for Pharmacy Magazine Talking Covid. Apologies for the slight dip in sound quality during Neil's inspired Matt Hancock rant. We're operating beyond the limits of our technology here. But to make up for that, we have some music to play us out. Yes, we do. 
You'll remember that last week we asked pharmacists who thought they could improve on our music for the podcast to send something in. And lo and behold, they did. A friend of the podcast, pharmacist Tony Schofield, a wonderful guitarist, sent in this original composition. And it's really rather lovely. So thanks for that, Tony. We'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening.